Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Denise. Denise, thank you for being here with us today. Awesome, Michelle. So glad to be here. (laughs) Nice. So, peeps, you are going to be excited, and I know you, well, I assume that you've already seen the show notes, but we are talking about the awesomeness that is putting kids through college. And I know for the Canadians in the crowd and the Canadians that work at universities, in the crowd, it's not really a conversation to be, um, you know, that's pressing. But I have clients who have told me that they have spent five hundred thousand dollars putting their kids through call kid through college, one child. I'm like, that is crazy, insane. So we had to have Denise in the show to show us how to do it better. So super excited, but I'm not going to tell your story. So Denise, give us a five thousand foot view of who you are and. Uh, what exciting projects you're working on right now? Well, I am Denise Thomas. I'm the debt-free college coach. And I got into this arena because, well, I was able to put both of my kids through college debt-free and not only just debt-free, but with cash left over. So they actually got paid to go to college. Wow. Nice. I got paid I, in college, but that was because I worked. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite count that way. That's awesome. So how did you get into all of this? Like, I, like, I get that you, you did it, but like, what was the driving force and what was going on? Desperation. And and I'll be totally honest with you. That is exactly what drove me to it. We were like most people who are in corporate. My husband had been in corporate for, oh, I don't know, almost 20 years, I suppose. And everything was going fine, but we did not see the writing on the wall at this particular point in time everything was going to hell in a handbag. We weren't paying attention to world events and global things and, or even things going on in the US in his industry and he got laid off. Well, that was okay because he immediately got another job. We could breathe for a second, but then I realized, wait a minute, we literally had just finished building our dream home. Now imagine what that dream home would be for you. For me, it was the big house on the lake. This house was more than 5,000 square feet under roof. The vast majority of it was air conditioned. We had enough space to entertain, to invite the entire church, could use the house for different events that they were holding. That was my dream. And suddenly my husband was laid off. Well, it's like, okay, so now what do we do? Well, luckily he got the next job, but I realized we could not afford to keep the house. So we put the house on the market and we went to look for another house and we found a a smaller home, oh, another 40 miles away or so in the country. And we bought that. Okay, well, that was a huge mistake because we bought the second house before the first house sold. Now we have two mortgages on his income. I was homeschooling my kids at the time, so I didn't have an income to contribute. This was one of those times where, okay, when is the house going to sell? When is the house going to sell? But again, we weren't paying attention and global events were crushing our area. 
eventually, not only did my husband lose the second job, but then the stock market crashed. And we all know that there were two times in our more recent history when the stock market crashed to practically oblivion and everybody lost at least half of their money. That was us. Well, we had to use what was left in savings and left in the stock market to pay the bills, to pay the two mortgages, to put food on the table, to pay everything. Eventually the money runs out and we had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. We had just enough to buy a lawnmower and a trailer and start mowing lawns and pay a bankruptcy attorney. That was it. So we were starting over. The bankruptcy was liquidation. We had to sell literally everything that we owned. The books, the toys, the Christmas decorations, the furniture. If you saw it, if it was an item, it was gone. I even had to sell the pot that I was cooking my dinner in. It was, it was a nightmare. But I think part of the worst part about that was we also had two dogs. And although we gave the dogs away, we didn't sell them, but they had to go as well because we now had to move into a small apartment. It didn't take too long after that, maybe just a couple, two or three months when I realized, wait a minute, my kids were about to start high school. College wouldn't be far away. How were we going to pay for college? We had no savings. We had no money in the stock market to draw from the 401k. And we now we also had no house to draw equity from. And get this, with the bankruptcy, no credit to co-sign for those student loans that everybody gets. What were we going to do? At this point, I pretty much panicked. I figured there had to be a way. My kids were on track to go to college. We had made all the right moves, but how were we going to do this? So I started to do the research. But what I found was that 70% of college students graduate with student loan debt every single year, but 30% graduate debt-free. So what exactly are they doing that the rest of us don't know about? Because they're not all geniuses. They're not all pro athletes, right? So what exactly, and their parents aren't all uber rich. What exactly are they doing? So I sought to figure out what was going on there. My second problem was that I was homeschooling my kids. I homeschooled them all the way from kindergarten. Were colleges even going to accept my transcript, my mommy transcript, as I called it? So I had a lot of work to do. But the end result was that my two homeschool children won 17 scholarships totaling $199,000 for four years of college debt-free with cash left over. Nice. That is awesome. That is crazy. So it can you want to give us your, your special sauce or... Oh my God, I don't know. Oh my God. Uh, so if you want to know how to do this, get a hold of Denise. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's interesting is that I've, I've been on a lot of stages telling people about this. And usually the, the, the um, reaction is twofold. First of all, most people don't believe it's possible to do this. 
And one of the things that I hear is that you were broke. That, that's why you, you were, kids were able to get this money. Yes, we were, but that was a few years before they got these scholarships. By the time they were winning this money, we were making six figures in our lawn service company. We had two trucks and two teams. So we were doing quite well. That had nothing to do with it. The and I know thing- it has nothing to do with that because a friend of mine and I, when we, when I was, um, I did a lot of post-secondary education, <laughs> like way too much for normal people should never do that. But um, one of my friends, she had way more, her family had way more money than we did, way more. And she had all of her uh, fees paid for and I had none of mine paid for. So I know it's possible. And I know that it has nothing to do with the money coming in that. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And the other uh, statement that I usually get is, matter of fact, this was right before COVID. I had stepped off of a stage in California and one of the audience members came up to me, a mom and said, your kids must be geniuses because my daughter applied to 40 scholarships and won none. And I said, no, half of the scholarships that my kids won didn't even ask for GPA or test scores. Wow. So this is possible. Anybody can do this, but it does take work. It doesn't come to you on a silver platter. So is there like a certain kind of thing that they should be looking for or... Well, the first thing is this, you've got to apply to the right schools. In the U.S., we have more than 4,000 four-year colleges and, and, and universities. With that many schools to choose from, there is the right school for you. For example, there are colleges that give more scholarships than others. And I've seen scholarships for a 2.0 or 2.5 GPA. So don't think that your kid has to be valedictorian to win a scholarship. The other thing to look for is that you have to think about what your kids are doing. What are their activities? What's important to them? Because one of the main things that colleges are looking for is how does your kid fit into the campus community? So when we're talking about college acceptances and college scholarships, there's a lot that goes into that that college application. It actually looks a lot like a resume would. It has different sections in it your honors and awards, your activities, your extracurricular activities, whether they were in the school activities or out of the school, your jobs, what type of employment have you had? What type of community service? And all of these things outside of the essay are also just as important as your grades because it says a lot about your child. And colleges are looking for, how does your kid fit into the campus community? They're looking for, what kind of an alumni are you going to make? And they're also looking for, are you going to graduate? Now, obviously, grades and test scores is what helps them to make that determination. But with regard to where you fit in, that's mostly your activities and your community service. And then everything as a whole shows them what type of an alumni you will become. Because they want students who, when they graduate, and go off into the world are going to reflect back positively on the school, preferably maybe do a little donation here and there, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that goes into it. And one of the things that is a problem here in the US is that we've been told for decades, wait until junior year, wait until senior year 
to do anything college related, to look for colleges, to apply for scholarships, to, well, take those tests, those, those entrance exams. But the truth is, those who graduate debt-free started much earlier than we're told. So the very first thing to do is forget everything you thought to be true about the high school to college process. Forget everything you thought to be true about winning scholarships. Nice. Love that. Now, some people may be thinking like, why would I go for a debt-free um, solution to put my kids through college? I'm thinking, why the hell wouldn't you? <laughs> like, isn't that every parent's goal is like, how do we do this? Like, I mean, not as cheaply as possible, but if there's a solution to be able to yeah. do it debt-free, I mean, what, why wouldn't you? Well, yeah. And there are parents out there that I've spoken with that yeah, you know, we've, we've already got a college fund. We're ready to pay for it. Again, why would you? Yeah, there might be a penalty if you have it in certain types of accounts. It's worth foregoing that penalty to take that money out and go play with it, right? Because let me give you a couple of examples. As the parent who is usually putting forth the bill, right? You're usually the one who is helping your child or your children you can do a lot better things with that money. Let me give you a quick example. And my husband was the one who encouraged me to do the math on this. I am a math geek, so I do a lot of math. But he said, what, what is the cost to the parent? The average university, state university here in the US will cost the parent or the child a little over $100,000 over four years, approximately 25 to $27,000 per year. Wow. So let's say you have the money, you've got a great 401k and or a retirement account, and you take that $100,000 out for your kid's college education. That's assuming you only have one kid. By the time you retire, that $100,000 that you spent for your kid's education has cost you more than $800,000 in retirement income. Whoa. That is the opportunity cost that you lose. Let's not do that. But if you have put the money aside in a specific college fund for your kids, wouldn't you rather, I don't know, give your kid a house at graduation instead? It's gonna have a lot more meaning and a lot more value than a piece of paper. Well, absolutely. And I would assume that the American rules around um, what we call a registered education savings plan um, is intended for um, college or post-secondary, but you can use them for other things in other ways and other um, benefits to other people that, That's right. that can then become a, a tax write-off itself. So what That's do you exactly. guys have to... Yeah, we have different types of accounts. Most of them are called 529 accounts. Okay. And basically it works the same way. It's, it, it's literally a type of investment account. It doesn't sit in a bank, you know, in a savings. It's usually some type of investment. You usually have control over what it's invested in. And when it comes to taking that out, yes, there are quote legitimate school expenses. And if let's say your child gets a buttload of scholarships and goes through my plan, then that money doesn't just go away. I mean, you, you can still use it for other things. There are penalties for using it toward things that are, you know, I don't know, maybe I will buy a house. 
but it's not huge. It might be 10%. So it's not a tremendous amount of money, right? And so if you've got $100,000 in there, the most it would cost you is 10% in most cases, or there are usually methods in these accounts to be able to uh, move it to a different child. It can be another child in your family. It may be another child uh, in your, in your, you know, your extended family, maybe a niece or nephew or a grandchild, but talk with your financial advisor about it. What can you do to move that money if you need to, if the child that's intended for gets a buttload of scholarships or maybe chooses not to go to college? Maybe the trades are the way for them to go. Because one of the things that, uh, one of the myths that we've been telling our kids for the last three decades is that you have to go to college to be a success in life. And that's just not true. We've, we've seen many multimillionaires who have never gone to college, but think about it, even just with the trades, you can be a mechanic or you can be a mechanical engineer and both of them have the potential for the same income. Oh, absolutely. Especially if they run the business. <laughs> exactly. Cause you know, I'm a huge advocate of that one. Um, <clears throat> so, I guess question, how can we make our kids debt-free for college? Like how does, well, how does that become you, a reality? You know, I went through the, I went through the, uh, the advantages for the parent and for myself as a parent, when we dropped off our last child debt-free, we bought a 42 foot motorhome and went full-time RVing for five years. Oh, fine. So, so you have an advantage as well, but what about your kids? What are their advantages for not having all that debt? First of all, they can choose who they want to work for. They're not tied to the fact that I have to make this much money because I've got these bills to pay. They may be able to accept an offer from a company that maybe it might be a little less as far as their income is concerned, but they really want to work for that company for whatever reason. The other thing is that they're freer. The rest of their peers are struggling. They're going to have not only the student loan debt, but most of them always have uh, credit card debt as well because they just don't have the funds to pay for everything. They're working two and three jobs to try to get it done. Your kid, when they graduate debt-free, they can travel, spend time with their family, visit mom and dad more often, Yay. you know, uh, <laughs> buy a house. I know people that are in their 40s who still can't afford to buy a house because they still have that darn student loan debt. Today, students are taking an average of 21 years to pay off a bachelor's degree. Brutal. Not that the money, that it's that much money, that it takes that much, no. Mm -hmm. It's the terms that they have agreed to with the loan companies. You see, it looks good to, oh, we'll reduce your payment, if you extend it to 15 or 20 years, that feels good. Oh, whew, I don't have to pay $500 a month. Maybe I'll only have to pay $200 a month. But what does that do to their, their Thank interest? You. That's insane. Thank you. They're not doing the math. Oh, they're not doing oh, the math. Oh, that hurts. It is better to get a second job, go weed gardens for your neighbors, whatever it takes to pay that puppy off. Because the average student loan debt that kids are graduating college from, certainly there's a lot that are less, a lot that are more, but the average student debt is just over $31,000. To us, that's a car note. 
but to a 22 year old just coming out of college. That's a year's that's a, worth of income. For it's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money, you know, $400 a month to them. It's a lot. So it's just so better to try to do it. So there's, I have so many questions because this is um, one, because I'm Canadian and our rules and regulations and our everything is different. So you said loan companies. So these are just loan companies. So I'm assuming that they have variable uh, interest rates. And in- there can be. Yes. You see, there are two types of oh. loans for student loans. There's the federal student loan. The federal government decided, ooh, mm, I'm going to go with 30, 40 years ago. I don't know exactly. Sometimes I think it was in the 80s. Decided to get into the student loan thing. And so the federal government does offer student loans, but there's a cap on it. And that cap is in the $30,000, $35,000 range. Well, as I mentioned, just going to a, a public university is going to cost you hundred grand right? When it comes to, you're adding tuition fees, room, board, and books, right? Yeah. So who's going to put, who's going to put up the other 70? Yeah. Private loan companies, private banks. Uh, it can be credit unions, regular American banks, what have you. And there are various types of interest for that. There's a variable, there's fixed, there's make it five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, there's so much involved with making those decisions. And there's, there's diff- different types of loans, such as income-based repayment loans. Now, usually it's the federal government that offers that one, which is also no better than 20 years for a private loan, because let's face it, you're starting off with a low income. So you're going to have a lower payment to make in the beginning. And as your income increases, your payment increases, maybe it's by a percentage rate or something like that. And with all these different loans and every year that you take out a loan, that's actually a separate loan. It has its own loan identifier number. It's mind boggling to try to figure this out as a kid. And these are kids. And guess what? Other than the federal government, all those private loans, they're going to need a co-signer. Guess who gets to be the co-signer? Mom and dad, most of the time. That loan that you co-sign for is equally your loan as it is your kids. You own it 100%, just like your kid owns it 100%. So it will affect your buying power in your 40s and 50s or longer, depending on how long it takes for your kid to pay it off, assuming they're paying it off and you're not. You know, you may be wanting to put an ad, you know, put an ad on in your house, or you maybe you want to redo and remodel your kitchen. Or what about that new sports car, that midlife crisis car you wanted? Well, your kid's hundred thousand dollar debt that you took on to co-sign is your debt too. Well, and my understanding is too that it's an unforgivable debt in the states, meaning that if somebody goes bankrupt, you're so it, <laughs> so they'll it, pay it. If there are. <clears throat> certain types of, of ways of, of going bankrupt with it, but it's not common. So for the vast majority of people, yeah, you're stuck with it. And you know, you have to, these, these debt payment, uh, the, we call it the contract can easily be 19, 20 pages long. Please read every line in the contract. 
Absolutely. It's they are especially, not standard contracts. No, you need <laughs> to you know. One doesn't mean you know what's in the next one. You know, can you pay it off earlier? Is there any kind of penalty for paying it off earlier? How can I get, get the co-signer off? Because as a parent or grandparent who's co-signing, you want to know at what point in time do I not have to have this liability? What is it going to take? And usually it's something like, well, your child has to make 36 on-time consecutive payments. So three years of full-time payments, and plus they also have to make sure that their income is high enough to make it work. So it's, you know, they have to jump through some hoops. It takes some time for sure. Wow. That, that is almost as terrifying as healthcare, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, <laughs> but so who would you say is your ideal client? Who do you serve and support? I serve mostly business owners or executives who want to keep the money in their pocket because they know the value of the money that their kids are using to go to college. And it makes more sense to graduate debt-free. If, if you can realize what it takes to, to get your kid through this process, and I say a parent to help, because we do have high school counselors here, but they're overwhelmed. High school counselors, there's going to be 400 kids per one counselor. They don't have time to work with your child from the very beginning of high school. Ideally, start in the beginning, start early, start late eighth grade, so that you have an opportunity to help design what your child's college application is going to look like. It makes a huge difference. One of the things that I figured out early on with my kids, uh, for example, my daughter applied to her first college while she was still a junior in high school. Now, she still had a year and a half before college would start, but she already had decent grades and she already had her test scores that were looking good. So she figured, why not? And this was a college that had an open enrollment where you just check the box at the top as to which semester you plan to start. So she sends it in. Three days later, we got a call from the college saying, we received your daughter's application but we failed to receive the application fee. And I'm thinking, oh, great. This is following directions. It should have been thrown in the trash. And then he says, and we'd like to offer her tuition, fees, room, board, and books, but we need the fee to process the scholarship. So what I'm telling you is that this application that we package, that we put together for your child throughout this process is so incredible to these colleges that they will beg your kids to go to their school. After my daughter had made decisions on which of the eight colleges she had applied to, she was actually going to attend. And she sends, uh, you know, a nice little letter or email to each one saying, look, I'm withdrawing my application. I chose a different school, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for the offer type thing. One of the private schools in another state called to say, what can we do to get you to come here? Wow. They already had it in their mind that she was going to go there. Nice. And that's the reaction you get when you have the right package, when you have the right things on that application. And when you have time to fulfill that, 
you see, I do have students and clients that come to me when their child is a senior. And yes, that's great. We can work with that. We can make things happen. I guarantee it. However, you've already left money on the table because scholarships begin as early as kindergarten. Wow. Really? The earlier you start, the more opportunities there are. That is crazy. But I exciting. Fathom that. <laughs> Very exciting. It's like, yeah, okay, well, why wouldn't you start now? Exactly. Awesome. It, anyone listening or watching should know scholarships are for everyone. So I don't care how old your kids are right now, unless they're in preschool, there's no scholarships yet for preschool. But starting in kindergarten, and it, you know, before you say, oh, you're putting too much pressure on kids that young, it's literally putting a piece of paper and a crayon in your kid's hand. It's the Google Doodle scholarship. Anyone who uses Google Chrome has seen the Google name with all the pretty you know, designs around it. That's different ages of kids who have won that scholarship. Oh, that's fun. I didn't Isn't know it? that. That is super cool. It's a blast. Especially if you've really got is. a kid that likes to draw in color, it's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things that we do. But in my course, my course is titled Cracking the Code to Free College. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're figuring out what it is that is the best fit for your child, how they can showcase their application or on the application, their skills, their, uh, their dreams, their focus. What is it that they love to do? And if you start early enough, you can actually create opportunities for your child throughout high school that go on that application or resume, as I call it. What we do is we start by checking out those activities. What are they doing right now? How long have they been doing it? Do they love it? How good are they at it? Or, eh, you know, Johnny's okay at sports, but he's probably not going to play college ball. That's okay. I don't say, well, you know, he's going to have to quit because he's not that good. No, that's not what it's about. Then the question to ask is, does he love it? Because if he loves it, we can work with that. Because now we can talk about, oh, well, maybe he can be a little league coach while he's in high school. Maybe he can have workshops on the weekends or host a summer camp during the summer. All of these things go into the college application and it shows the college where your student, your child fits into the campus community. So even if the college doesn't offer sports that your child may or may not be good enough to be part of, he'll probably be part of the intramural sports that's the teams between the dorm rooms. So they can see your child on the campus. That's what's important. Nice. I love that. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories from your clients. Oh, goodness. Okay. So we had, well, I can tell you a couple of them. I'll start with this one. Uh, we had this young lady who was a dancer and everything she did that showed up. Well, first of all, everything your child does shows up on that application, literally everything. Yes, there's a limited number of spaces. So you do have to decide what is it that makes the most sense to show up so that they stand out on their application. Well, this young lady was a ballroom dancer. She had been ballroom dancing since age nine. At age 12, she began co-teaching ballroom dancing at the local high school. 
Uh, and by age 14, she was competing. She used to say that she was training her com competition partners by teaching at the high school. So that was kind of cool. Um, by age 16, she was teaching for pay. She was making $75 per hour teaching ballroom dance to couples. She choreographed wedding dances and things like that by age 16. She won, I think, nine scholarships. One was from the university, one was from the state, and the rest were private scholarships. Wow. But you see what happens is when I mentioned your activities and, and how to make this fit into a resume style, she had the activity of ballroom dance. She was taking lessons. Mm -hmm. She had employment for ballroom dance because she was making money with it. She had volunteer service with ballroom dance because she was teaching at the high school for free. She also had awards in ballroom dance because she was competing and winning awards. That's four areas of the resume or, and the, the college application that showcased her dancing. In her essay, in the, the essay that they let you pretty much choose what you want, it's called the personal essay on the college application. She wrote about how her grandfather got her involved in ballroom dance and the impact she was making by teaching other kids how to ballroom dance. One of the things that we have gotten wrong that most people get wrong when it comes to those essays is you answer the essay question. They don't want you to answer the essay question. When the essay asks, oh, well, who is a figure in your life that has influenced your life? Well, they're writing about their grandparent, their, their parent or a mentor. No, they wanna know about you and how something that person or that activity has affected your life and changed your way of thinking, your worldview, that type of thing. So there's so much involved. I really can't go through everything just in this little chat, which I love by the way, but there's just so much that people need to understand. Um, I had a client recently that uh, sent me a wonderful testimonial just the other day. Not often do I have both a parent and a teen going to college at the same time, but she had received scholarships for her education. Her son had received scholarships as well. And she said that her scholarships, she was banking, putting them in the bank as her savings for when she gets out of college, that that was her building her emergency fund. Her son, she said, would not even accept groceries from her because he was independent now. His finances were fine. He had all he needed and he didn't need or want her to you know, use her money for him. He was doing fine. Oh, that's so sweet. Right. So <clears throat> let's take this another direction. Go back to the listeners. And what are some stumbling blocks that somebody might be having right now and they're thinking, oh my God, Denise, I need you so badly. Wow, uh, there's so many. Well, let's start with if you're a business owner, and I know there, there are plenty of business owners uh, on the call here or in the, in the room. There are different hoops you have to jump through as a business owner. So you have to know that going in as well. Uh, for example, when you're filing the FAFSA application, which everyone should file, I don't care if you are making six or seven or eight figures, or if you're destitute, you should all be filing the FAFSA application form. This is the free financial aid form for the federal government aid. 
certainly you may not qualify for a federal grant. That's okay. But it also offers additional opportunities. There are some academic scholarships that are tied to filing the FAFSA application. So you don't want to forego that. But there are a lot of mistakes that people make in filling out those forms. For example, because it's a financial form, parents think they want to file that form. Well, I should be the one filling this out. I've got the details. I understand. However, every question on that form is from your teenager's perspective. So sit your kid in the chair and look over his shoulder to answer the questions. Then you won't make that very big, very costly mistake. Because let's, let's for example, they'll say, well, what, is your, what was your income in 2019? Well, who is the you they're talking to? Not you, the parent. If you switch that and you end up putting the parent's income or the parent's assets in the student's blanks, then it's going to cost your child at least another 15% in what could be federal financial aid. Wow, that is crazy. That is awesome. So I'm, I'm thinking if I had kids, I of college age, <laughs> my mine are all done. So I'm, I am. Uh, well, I do have. Over I do have grandparents that call me as well. So keep that in nice. mind if you're in the older sector. Nice, I love that. So I gotta ask you this before we go into some other things. Um, actually, let me do this first. So if somebody is at home thinking, oh my God, Denise, I need to get a hold of you. How do they go to hold of you? What's their first step? And go to the website, getaheadoftheclass.com forward slash apply. And let's get on a call and talk about your situation, how I might be able to help. Nice. I love that. And if you're driving right now, don't worry about writing that down. And of course, we'll be in the notes. And uh, if you really want to, and you can't find the notes either, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. And Denise's information will be there. Just type in Denise or debt-free college or um, college loans. Any of those things, we'll pick it up and you'll be able to go and find that. <clears throat> so that's getaheadoftheclass.com slash apply and set up your time with Denise, of course. And you also have a gift for some people, yes? Absolutely. If you are a business owner or a six-figure earner, I have an ebook for you. It is specific to those people. It is titled getaheadoftheclass.com forward slash business book. The title of it is The Business of Paying for College for Business Owners and Six-Figure Earners. It's how six-figure earners get free college for their kids. It's what we did uh, because we were making six figures by the time our kids were getting that free college. Nice. I love that. Okay. So now let me ask you this. At what point in your life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become a, a successful entrepreneur? Well, uh, that's a really good question because I didn't think about this, but the truth is I've always been an entrepreneur. From the time I was 14, I started teaching guitar lessons to other kids. So I was always an entrepreneur in some way. And of course, uh, when you're teaching your own kids homeschooling, um, you get really good at teaching people pretty much anything at that point. But as far as going into this particular topic, I realized every time someone would tell a friend, you know, oh, my kid's getting ready to go to college. I'm not sure we're going to pay for it. You need to talk to Denise. I found that I was copying and pasting my responses over and over and over again, even while we were full-time RVing. 
And when my husband said, hey, you know, it's probably time to get another business because that's what we do. What would you like to do? And I realized I'm already doing it. I might as well get paid for it. So <laughs> that's why I ended up doing this. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best kind of business is when you already got people coming to you and asking you questions. That just kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know, when you love what you do, and I am so passionate about this, I, my, my goal, my mission is to flip the student debt statistic in the U.S. I would rather see 70% graduating debt-free and 30% graduating with debt, but knowing what they're doing, knowing what they're getting into when they do that. Nice. I love that. Awesome. It has been an absolute pleasure. You are a plethora of information and so many more questions I'm sure will come flooding your way. Any last word for our peeps today? Absolutely. First of all, Michelle, thank you for having me on. And remember, college doesn't have to be a debt sentence. Nice. I love that. Awesome. This is Michelle Nedlack. Thank you for being here with us today. If you know anyone who would make a great guest for the show, or if you have a question or topic that you'd like me to discuss, reach out to me at michelle at awarenessstrategies.com or connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to our show. I am all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support they need to make it in business. As such, I have Taking Your Business Digital Q&A every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Mountain. To register for that, go to awarenessstrategies.com slash digital. That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L. I look forward to meeting you and actually finding out how you are. So see you on the flip side.